Well, again, good morning and a joy to uh, again be with you and to bring you God's Word today. You know, you know the old story about the young man who turns to his daddy and says, Daddy, what does it mean when the preacher takes off his watch and puts it on the pulpit? And daddy turns to him and says, absolutely nothing. But Drew has told me that he usually preaches about 45 minutes. I'm not going to do that today. Uh, I think I, I, I'll probably, uh, but I will bring you God's Word and uh, ask you to pray with me now as we do so, Lord. Lord, uh, I am so thankful that in, in you, in you, we live and move and have our being. I'm, th- I'm thankful for every believer in this room right now, Lord. I'm thankful for everyone who is still searching and perhaps investigating who you are. Because together, Lord, we, we are coming before you and we are opening your word and we are asking you to show us again not only who you are, but who we are in you. And so may my words be of you. May my words point to you. May my words honor and glorify you, Lord Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said, amen. So we hear today the great revelation of John, the multitude that no one can number. And the question of who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? Do you long to be one of them? Do you long to be one of those clothed in white robes, washed in the blood of the Lamb, standing before the throne and worshiping Jesus forever? Many of you have come and, accept, and have come to believe and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you, you have in that, on any given day, a longing for the day that you will get to sing His hosannas, sing His glory for the rest of eternity. A lot of people have written a lot of books about what heaven looks like. The Bible describes what heaven looks like right here. It's not going to be your favorite fishing hole, I don't think. It might be, but if it is, what you're going to be spending time doing is not fishing. You're spending the entire time worshiping and praising Jesus with angels and archangels for eternity. But as we are still in this temporal world, as we dream of a day that we're going to get to be before his throne forever. We're living lives which oftentimes may feel far, far away from that. We're living in a world that is confused um, and hurting. One might even say in chaos. I had the joy of being with your, what, what, Drew has already described as the inaugural parish council, the group of those who are, are brought together to, uh, 
to oversee and to lead with Drew and Andy this congregation. One of the things we, we talked about this morning was the reality that for us as followers of Jesus, we do this in community because until that day when we stand before him in those white robes, we desperately need all the help we can get from each other to live in this world of chaos, to live in this world of temptation, to live in this world of pain and brokenness. You realize that the world has always been that way, at least ever since the garden. It was not that way before. But when we chose to go our own way and do our own thing and not trust God, then the brokenness of this world has forever been in chaos. We only know about it more now. Because of technology and communication, we have moment-by-moment pictures of the chaos in the world. But the reality is, it's always been in chaos since the garden. And for us, as we believe that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, came into the world to bring peace and to bring order to chaos, and that he chose to do that through what he calls his body, you, me, his bride, the church. He did not choose that we would do it by ourselves. In fact, he so much believed that. Notice when he sent out the disciples, he sent them out two by two. And yet in our Western culture and yet in our Western lives, we have individualized everything so much that somewhere, somewhere woven even into our faith is that this is something we do by ourselves. No. Jesus decided... He called 12 together in community. And then everywhere he went, those 12 called people together in community. And after he left, those 12, 11, then replacing one, 12, those 12 went out and developed communities. And as they developed communities, those communities, yes, supported each other, encouraged each other. Yes, for the sake of the gospel, what we heard today in the gospel of the Great Commission, of taking the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ to the entire world. And so today I want to look at that in relation to your community, a vibrant, wonderful community that loves, encourages each other, gathers together on Sundays, but also learns with each other throughout the week. What does it mean for you to be in community, this congregation to be in community? It's the only reason why... Not the only, one of the main reasons why Drew and Andy have decided to be ordained into at least a tradition and into a a church that believes that you living in community is vitally important and then you living in a, a larger community is vitally important, what we call a diocese. Our diocese, which goes all the way from New Orleans over to, over to Austin, San Antonio, Corpus Christi, churches throughout that region seeking to live in community for the same reasons why you are choosing to live in community here. To love and support each other. To encourage each other. 
to not live in this crazy and chaotic world by ourselves, but actually walk this life and faith together. It's the only reason that makes any sense why a congregation would be part of something larger is to be in community. Oh, you can talk about resources and you can talk about accountability and you can talk about all sorts of things, but nothing is more important than why you are here, what you're supposed to do as Christians, and how we can live that out together in faith. I want us to turn to our text today uh, that I'm using today, the gospel, the 28th chapter, beginning in the 16th verse. Most of you are, are familiar with it. Some of you, as I said a moment ago, might still be investigating Jesus and who he is, and so you may not be familiar with this. But Jesus comes to them, and he says to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Many of you have heard many a sermon on this as you were sending foreign missionaries out to foreign mission fields. Some of you have heard many sermons on this at ordinations. Some of you have heard some sermons on this when a congregation is beginning to realize and grow in the reality of their own mission right on their doorstep, their own mission outside any given set of walls to a world that desperately needs the love and mercy and grace of Jesus Christ. Today, I want us to look at these verses, to look in this understanding of community as to who we are, why we are, and what we do. Let's look at this. Jesus has died for our sins. He's risen from the dead. And then as Lord of the universe, he sits on the right hand of God. He aims to give his disciples one last commission. One last one. All the teachings he's done. All the healings he's done. All the miracles he's done. He still wants to have one last word before he at least physically ascends into heaven. Realizing that the last word is really the Holy Spirit and continues. He aims to give them this one last word and then go back into heaven. Judas is dead by his own hand at this point. There are 11 apostles left for now. And Jesus meets them on the appointed mountain. When they see him, what do they do? When they see Jesus, what do they do? You know the verses. Look at it. Don't hesitate to look at it. Say it louder. They worship him. Clearly, one of the very things that who we are and what we do is we worship the Lord. Period. Oh, sure, there's a lot of things we're supposed to do in the Christian life. We're supposed to learn God's Word. We're, we're supposed to serve others. We're supposed to do a lot of things. But nothing 
ever is more important than the reality that we are supposed to worship the Lord Jesus Christ and him seated upon a throne. When they see him, they worship him, and, and all of them, even though it, the, the, God's word says that some of them doubted. This is left a little bit up for interpretation. What did they doubt? Did they, did they, did they doubt who Jesus was? Well, it doesn't say that. It says they worshiped him. It doesn't say some of them worshiped him and some of them doubted. They said, it says they all worshiped him. So they were all worshiping. So at least this bishop's interpretation of this is that some were about, they, they were certain to have doubts about what in the world all that was happening. They were worshiping, but what does this mean? We thought he was dead, and here he is alive again, and what does all this mean? Oh, how interesting. Do you not think that goes on in any given congregation on any given Sunday when people are worshiping that some are still doubting as to what does all this mean? What does this Christian life mean? You can come and worship him, but you might still be doubting as to how it all fits in the world, in a world that seems to be just spinning out of control. What does it all mean? In essence, I think God's word says, well, that's almost natural. There's going to be some, you know, there's the, all of them worshiping, but some of them just confused, having doubts. When they saw it, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Into this conflicted worship, Jesus delivers what traditionally is entitled the Great Commission. If you lose sight of anything else, this is what you're supposed to be doing. A little different than the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself, the great commandment. A little bit different, the great commission. You're supposed to not keep your faith to yourself. You're supposed to actually share your faith. You're actually supposed to take that faith to others. And then interestingly enough, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He here, I believe, is telling us who we are. We're ambassadors. That's, that's pure and simple. We're ambassadors of a king who brought a kingdom that as we live our lives as those ambassadors, we continue to usher in that kingdom. By whose authority are we ambassadors? His authority. He says all authority, not some authority, not a little bit of authority, not selective authority. He says all authority has been given me. And then... He, in essence, commissions us all as ambassadors. What are these ambassadors supposed to do? Well, we see it in verse 19. We're supposed to go to all the nations of the world. This is, this is where it has been so appropriately used for foreign missions. But I think the better interpretation of the Greek here is we're supposed to go to everyone, no matter where they are, no matter what they currently believe or don't believe, we're supposed to go to everyone. 
to be Jesus to everyone. Every tribe and language and people, Revelation said, were standing before him. We're supposed to go to everyone. Now, I want to say to you that this is a particularly difficult uh, for us in our culture. And not just because most of us are not called to get on and move to Africa or China. Or, that's not the difficulty. The difficulty is actually more at home. It just seems outrageous that in our relativistic and, and multicultural and all religions are equal world, it seems outrageous that we're supposed to go tell everyone that Jesus is the only way to God. It seems outrageous, but it's not. And not because you and I believe it, it's because Jesus said it. Because all authority had been given him. That only Jesus can forgive sins against the creator. That only Jesus can provide righteousness before a holy judge. That only Jesus can give you, me, eternal life. That's what we're supposed to go and tell the world. Yes, even Uncle So-and-so who always makes problems at Thanksgiving dinner. Yes, even that person in the cubicle next to you at work. Faithful Muslims stopping and saying their prayers several times a day. We're supposed to share the reality of who Jesus is and what he's come to do with everyone. Only Jesus can give us the life God has promised us. You realize that this does get one killed in some parts of the world. I pray every day for the martyrs that will occur that day. Because every day, somewhere in the world, someone is dying because they've actually done this. Quite different than us just getting up the courage at lunch to share what we believe about Jesus. Before Jesus tells them to go into this, to do this radical, politically incorrect, outrageous thing called love, he tells them this, this all authority has been given me. You're not going to be alone. If you heed this calling, he says, I will be with you. Even to the end of the age. And how does he do that? He does it through his Holy Spirit. He is with us. He even promises in other parts of his word that he will give us words. He will give us the words. We worry so much, are we going to say something right? Are we going to share our faith, you know, in a, in a non-judgmental, you know, and in a, in a way that won't turn. We, we worry so much and we pray so little that God would give us the words. In essence, Jesus says, you have everything you need to do it because you have me. And he gives us a precious promise. In this authority he's given us, 
in this mission, not just to the greater world, but literally, I love driving here. I just love driving here because I'm passing all sorts of neighborhoods that are being renewed and, 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 and new homes are being built. That means families are moving into new homes, making new starts, starting their lives fresh in some ways. I love seeing all this building going on because all of those represent individuals, marriages, and families right here. And what a rich and incredible mission field it is. As I drive at least from 249 to here, and believe me, I got stopped at every single stoplight this morning on 249. There could not have been more stoplights in Houston, Texas than this morning. But every single time I got stopped, I thought, you know what, I'm going to pray. And then when I got to driving down, uh, uh, what is it, Wheatney, and okay, I just kept passing development after development. I tell you what, as you're preparing your life to heed the call of Jesus to go and share him with anyone and everyone, why don't you just start in a small way? When you're driving to church, pray for all the individuals, families, and marriages in those new homes. Pray for the ones in the old homes too. But literally, have your kids pray for them as you're driving to church. Imagine in the spiritual world, in the spiritual world, in the spiritual world. Imagine what that's like when people who are coming to a place to worship the Lord Jesus Christ on their way pray for all those who are on their path along the way. You talk about the joy and glee of the angels and archangels. Doing that and living that out, even as you come to church, as you prepare your lives to learn what it means to go and share him with everyone. Let's pray. Lord, I believe most of us in this room have responded to your call. Most of us have responded to your love, your mercy, your grace. But we are well aware, Lord, that that calling on us, the response of that to us is not just for us, it's for the whole world. And so, Lord, I ask as this congregation continues to enjoy each other and love each other and support each other and grow with each other and learn together, I pray, Lord, that you would birth in this place such a passion to take your good news and your presence to everyone they know. May it be so by the power of your Holy Spirit in every way and on every day. And all of God's people said, Amen.